This is Josh from The Game Hole, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS episode 90, Keeping Players Engaged. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Hello, folks. Welcome back. And if you're new, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show, yo. Okay, well. I think we're good. Shall we roll? I mean, I've been, uh, <clears throat> I, my my middle daughter graduated yesterday, senior high school valedictorian, so I'm super proud, Dad. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. And she's going off to UW-Madison. Oh, boy. Fall, so that'll be fun for her. Her, her older sister's already at UW-Madison. And her older sister actually got into nursing school recently as well, so that's another cool thing. How much uh, further does her older sister have? Um, I think two more years. I think well, depending how depending how the schooling goes for nursing have, school. I wonder if she, she's she might have started around my nephew. The old your nephew. He'll be twenty one in November, but he's next year will be his last year at the U. Yeah, so Michaela is twenty one. Next year would be her last, but yeah. she's just gotten into nursing, so it's going to extend her schooling. I gotcha. He's on a three year track. He he had a few college courses when he was in high school. So I see. Yeah, he's ahead of the game, which is that's very good for cool. him. Rhiannon, yeah. my middle daughter Rhiannon, did a similar thing. A lot of college courses and stuff. So anyway, enough proud dad lots moments. Lots of money saving there. Yeah, it helps. Right. Anything else? I think that's a good like random, random shit that's happening stuff. That's random <laughs> shit. Yeah, man. Announcements here in the uh, in the U.S. We ha- it's Memorial Day. And I hope folks had a good one. That usually means, <clears throat> for unless you're a poor sap who ended up having to work, I really hope you did have the day off. That it was fun. And uh, Sean and all the other veterans out there, where there's a number of vets that listen to us and that are friends of the show. So uh, thank you all for the service. I know that sounds kitschy to some, but I do truly mean it. So it's it's pretty cool. So while I appreciate your um, your uh, sentiment, yes, thank you. You're going to tell me I suck and I should and I shouldn't have said that. Memorial Day are is for those that have done the ultimate sacrifice. Absolutely. Those who are still with me, I still feel quite grateful that they're still here. That's true, but that is for Veterans Day, which is Absolutely. in November. Yes. I just want to make the clarification because some people don't know the difference. So, Sean, I, unlike you, want to celebrate my veterans at every opportunity. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So I'm, I'm totally making light of a, of a very serious thing here. But anyhow, when um, – anyway – I've had a number of different military folks on uh, the wife's side of the family that have uh, passed away. I've known people that have uh, died in action, and uh, it's 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 not obviously it's not cool and all that stuff. But anyway, short version. It's, don't want to get overly sappy, but it's it's cool the vets we have with us and uh, those veterans like Sean and and Hawk Sparrow and other guys Wayne Humphrey and so forth. The met, the men and women that we know that have served, those of you that are uh, still here, I'm, I'm sure you all have other stories of people who used to serve with you and aren't here anymore. So it's always, uh, anyway, I just think it's a it's a good opportunity to remember what people gave. That's cool stuff. Very, very kind of you, Brett. Thank you, Sean. All right, let's get into random encounter. Yeah, because I totally fucked that up, so let's keep going. <laughs> random encounter, element of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and social media from you. Uh, let's see. We've got a few. We got a couple emails, and then we've got a few G plus uh, comments about 
interpreting die rolls. You want me to go first, Brett? Yes, give it a shot. All right. So first one, James Carruthers. Uh, great episode, guys. He emails us. As always, a quality show. Well, I don't know if it's always, but hey, thanks, James. James sets uh, the it is a bar. James sets the bar low. It's still a bar, and we're able to get over that bar. So that's handy. That is true. That is a good point. In that case, hey. At one point in the show, Sean asked if he was off his rocker. Brett politely declined, but I beg to differ. Well, so much for James being on my good side. Well, I like I, says, I like him more and more every time I hear from him. He says kidding at James. He's a he's silly. Seriously though, hey, let's get back on track. My group howls with laughter, oohs and ahs, whoops and curses and proclamations at many, if not most of the big successes and big failures the dice give us. As DM, I often throw it to them saying, describe its death or tell us just how badly you missed, etc. I think D&D gives us a number of build in built-in examples of how to interpret more than a simple pass fail such as inspiration, advantage, advantage, disadvantage, crits, excuse me, and success or fail by five or more. For example, in last week's session, the group was confronting the Medusa in the Temple of Black Earth in the Princes of the Apocalypse. Through most of the fight, the thief, knowing his con save was weak, stayed to the shadows and confronted other threats and left the Medusa alone. But late in the fight, when things were coming down to the wire, he decided to chance and came out of the shadows to attack the Medusa head on. If you read the description in the monster manual, you'll see that it's not a simple pass fail saving throw when the Medusa's gaze strikes you. It will slowly turn you to stone over multiple rounds, depending on how badly you fail. Well, the thief failed badly, real badly. This poor guy rolls like Sean every game. <laughs> James. <laughs> that's, but it's I feel a, bad for that thief. That's, that's some shitty rolling. I'll tell you that. I don't have, Anyways, um, where was I? But it's a running gag, and luckily he finds it just as funny as the rest of us. And he was instantly turned to stone. Here was my interpretation of his die roll. The PC's name was Clerval. Clerval felt a great weight creep up his legs, spread to his arms, then engulf his torso. His heart slowed, stopped, and all went black as he turned to stone. In the cold night of his death-like stasis, Clerval heard a voice. Clerval. Clerval it is. I. Akugolachtalach. Follow my voice. Follow my voice and rise again, imbued with power you never imagined. Everyone at our table does description interpretation all the time. Couldn't imagine any other way. Thanks again for all your great podcasting, James. From Vancouver, British Columbia. Well, thank you, James. We should say it's like British Columbia. <laughs> I think James does have a good point. I do believe that fifth edition, uh, what I'm pulling out of this from James, you know, fifth edition with things like inspiration, advantage, disadvantage, that language, <clears throat> excuse me, and those mechanics do help from a narrative perspective to give us more than a simple pass fail, right? And then back in the days of 3035 and such, it's a little, uh, those words themselves. You were inspired to do a thing. How was I inspired? It, it begs the question of, hey, give give me a reason here. Why do I have advantage? You know, what what possible disadvantage could I be uh, be incurring here? So, no, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. Thank you, James. 
Yeah, so the rest of these are comments from Google Plus um, regarding episode 89, Interpreting Die Rolls. Yes. Next one is Chris Steele writes, In my D&D games, I always use interpretive die rolls for non-combat skills. In fact, I rarely have a DC in mind. I just have the player roll and narrate the result based on the roll. This is easy to do with soft skills. In combat, I call it the DC before the roll, so it's very clear for the player and myself if something succeeds or fails. I'll still normally add some narrative around close calls or the extremes, though. Paul Daniel Siemens writes, I like to use compounded rolls. For example, if you're trying to climb a wall, an 18 will get you to the top, whereas a 15 only halfway. So if the climber only gets halfway, there's a chance he or she may fall if they fail a second roll. Regarding failing forward, I'm thinking of maybe making a chart with options for more granular rolls for 5e. Stay tuned. Very cool. Matt Bonhoff from the Shrieker Podcast writes in and says, We always interpreted levels <coughs> excuse me, of success or failure from the die roll, uh, from die roll to the narrative. There was no real weight. It just determined how cool your action sounded. Then I found Fate success at a cost mechanic, followed by Dungeon World's Yes But and Star Wars success and threats, which blew my mind. In these games, the degree of success doesn't just color the narrative, but they drive the story forward, providing new complications for the players to deal with. They seem so obvious and brilliant. They changed the way I played. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty impressive, Matt. Yeah, that's quite the influence. I'll tell you what, though. That's one of the reasons why some of these games are so freaking cool. When and one of the reasons why it's good to go out there and read and find out other find other games, even if you don't buy them and have a massive library. Get a hold of them. Talk to people. Figure out how the different mechanics are working. Even if you don't want to play Star Wars, you might be able to find something cool in there that can, as Matt points out, maybe change how you're gaming. Tom Baigwell writes, I've always felt that the GM is the only one is the one relating the story, and while the dice indicate success or failure, they're simply tools to assist the GM. As GM, I describe how those roles relate to actual events. I see success or failure as a sliding scale depending on how good or bad the role was. If something is almost a hit, I'll call it a graze for a point or two. More damage more drama than damage. For almost a crit, I'll provide damage boost or extra dramatic effect. I encourage the players to describe the result, but it's fine if they don't. Whatever makes the game more fun. I've never really needed mechanical support for this. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where we've talked about like rules and mechanics. and it, <clears throat> How do I say this? Mechanics matter. We've talked about that. They're important. They play a good role. But if there are certain pieces where if you don't need them, there's no reason not to take a tip or a trick to a game that doesn't have a mechanic to support said tip or trick and just freaking do it. So I think that's where he's getting at. So makes sense to me, Tom. Jason Hobbs, patron of the show, writes, <clears throat> excuse me, I like to use- It's Jason Hobbs Hobbs. Jason Hobbs Hobbs? Okay. Well, you know, people call him Hobbs. Oh, Jason So I think Hobbs. it's like a, like Hobbs. it's kind of like a nickname, and the nickname always goes between the first and the last name, right? Oh, okay. So That's Jason, quote, Hobbs, unquote, Hobbs. Right. That's just long. Wow. Now he's not going to, now after we've insulted him, Jason will never patronize the show again. That'll be great. Great. There we or go. Or he'll give us extra money because we say his name three or four times. Ooh, that could be it. Well, Mr. Hobbs. Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Hobbs Sr. Um, anyway, I like to use the Power by Apocalypse concept of partial successes or using the role to determine how long a particular action takes. So in OSR, you could have, excuse me, you could use success disarming the trap, but it takes longer and it was louder, so there's greater chance for wandering monster encounter. 
that's a really good thing. We didn't get into that last time, Jason. I have done similar things like that before, and I'm glad you called that out. Um, Jason continues with, <coughs> excuse me, I've also seen the house rule in, um, oh, uh, in the basic, uh, basic D&D and swords and wizardry to help define the dangers of firing missile weapons in a melee. Those systems don't have specific rules for that. Interesting episode that could lead some GMs, cough, Sean Kelly, cough, to enhancing their games by interpreting a single die roll for multiple things, actually expediting play as opposed to slowing it. He's got your number there, Conductor. Hobbs busts my chops all the time. Got to be done. Speaking of which, I got to get back to him. Do that. He, he said ping me when I get a chance, and I, I, I just remembered I got to ping him. Well, now you have Anyways, a chance. I know. Tim DeShane from Ridden Island. Get it? Ridden Island? Uh, I like it. Not Rhode Island. Ridden. Hey, Gus, where are you? Good Lord. There you go. Jesus, we are slow tonight. That's what happens when you got an, uh, uh, you know. Long weekend. Old, long weekend and an older guy. Long weekend, old drummer. Drums. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. I've done, I've done partial successes in D&D and DCC or Dungeon Crawl Classics, but I have no hard or fast rule for it. Here's an example of a roll. The always fun climbing check. Yeah. One of my players failed a climb roll to get up a wall. Wah, wah. This wall was the entrance to start the adventure. Ha! If I had told every player who failed that they just couldn't climb the wall, the actual adventure would have never launched. So instead, I rolled a D6 for damage and told them they have had made it over, but it was far more strenuous than they expected. It worked for that example, but might not always. That's where knowing your players comes in and being comfortable making rulings on the fly. Makes sense. <clears throat> Roger Braslett comments, battle die rolls. People complain that combat is long enough as it is. We don't need to add too much extra description of a binary action. There's logic to that, right? Not every hit uh, <clears throat> against the horde of goblins needs to be narrated extremely there's time and place for some of those things sometimes a simple i hit you did five damage another goblin falls may well be just enough you don't necessarily need to go all shakespeare every time i'm with roger of course you are simple I, expedited I, yeah let's cut to the chase right yeah player character you're dead boom let's go move on roll up another person another yeah. character while you're doing that that one's dead too yeah well right because you're taking too damn long exactly right next dragon attacked you while you weren't looking Angela Murray emails us on die rolls. You know, I'm starting to get the feeling that Sean is a whole lot of bark and not much bite when it comes to his grousing about GMs versus players. Oh, Angela calling it. Angela was my favorite. She's my favorite. Another game that offers a range of results for die rolls is Cubicle 7's Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space. That was more like a pigs in space thing. You did. I don't have the effect on <clears throat> anyway, it. Anyway. I will do it in post. No, thank you. The game works on a 2D6 plus stuff system. Oh, man. Where you're trying to hit a target number for the difficulty of whatever it is you're doing. 12 is considered a normal task. They take it a little more interesting, though, by having how much you make it or fail it by influencing the results you get. If you're only a couple points above the target number, you get a yes, but response. You probably get what you wanted, 
but there are complications that arise while getting it. At the same time, if you only fail by, excuse me, ah, man, I should not have drank in that bruja. If you only fail by a couple points, you still fail, but it may not be as bad as you'd feared. Conversely, getting significantly more than your target number is a way to get even more benefit out of the roll. It's one of my favorite systems to run. Once you combine the success failure levels with the plot point system, and it turns into a fun game with lots of room for more than just shooting things in the face. My other go-to games to run are games to run are often based on the Apocalypse World engine. So even with systems that don't inherently incorporate this into things, I tend to think in these terms. To me, it makes a bit more sense where a near miss on a roll should get you something a little more than a complete botch. Same with barely scraping by with a big success on a roll. As a player, one of my pet peeves is getting a spectacular result on a roll and having it not really mean anything. As always, great show. Hey, are you guys going to be getting to Gen Con this year? Ange. <clears throat> Gen Con is probably out for me. Um, part of it depends on whether or not I'm able to make an Idaho elk hunting trip. If I can do that, that would uh, definitely hit deeply into the savings pocket, which would uh, not allow Did- me to go to Gen Con. Didn't you use that last year? No, that's this year. Oh. Last year, I had a different reason. I see. Uh, generally, though, um, the, the bigger problem for me on Gen Con, it's just it's an expense thing, just trying to figure out when and where and how to spend the money with different vacations and things. So, Sean, are you going? No. What's your excuse? Uh, it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm, uh, there's a, a bank. With, I get it. Uh, Right, yes. bank bank time, and I go to Gary Con and Gamehole Con. Gamehole Con, I can't go or I cannot not go. Um, Gen Con, yeah, I get it. And you know, I want to go just to see. I mean, honestly, if I went there, I would probably play in Carl Kiesler's game, and then I would just meet with everybody else. Yeah, it's just kind of a big meetup event. My fear is I'd go and never meet anybody. Like they're all busy gaming. Yeah, you and you and sixty thousand of your closest friends could all get together. Besides, I really, I, I, I would really dread trying to get housing. I would really dread, even if I tried to register for events. Like, man, <laughs> I mean, Gary Con drives me up a wall. I can't imagine Gen Con's going to be much better when I'm spending like buku bucks. All right, fair enough. But I, I do want to get there. Yeah, me too. I want to get to Origins actually. I've never been to Origins. That would be a cool one to attend, if nothing else, yeah. just because I've never been. We should ride there. We should. All right. Um, next vroom, up. Vroom, 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 vroom. Absolutely. We got two Sorry. more here. We got, oh, three more. Excuse me. Yeah, let's Bruce go, Cunnington, uh, one of our patrons on the collecting episode, he says, um, I'm kind of collecting the B series modules, though I'm only interested in usable copies, gamer first, collector second. I'd also like to pick up a decent copy of OD and D, any printing. Uh, to complete my collection of classic, i.e. non-AD&D rules. As a kid, I always wanted a miniature of the Red Dragon from Frank Mensner's Red Box. When I finally picked one up a few years ago, it was complete and in the box, and I couldn't bring myself to paint it, so I ended up spending even more money on a second one that wasn't boxed. I try not to buy anything that's too good to use now. Bruce, I know that feeling where you've got that really cool thing, and you're like, I kind of don't want to wreck it. I need another one to, to mess with. Yeah, it's back in my comic book collector days where you had one for reading and one for bagging. Next. Remy B., our patron on collecting. Due to limits on space, I don't have an actual physical collection, but I am collecting digital content for Savage Worlds. 
I have quite a few PDFs, but there's still so much I need to acquire. Not nearly as sexy as finding that near pristine copy of one of those early D&D adventures from the late 70s. I'll tell you, though, there's something, I mean, I have a lot of stuff in uh, PDF as well. And a lot of times those electronic copies, I find myself utilizing those. That's almost become my play copy versus some of the collecting versions of it. So now when I, if I can find a really cool um, red box or expert set or something along those lines, I don't mind having one of those because I can get a PDF of something. I'm using that as an example. If I can get a PDF of, a, of an out, out of print thing, as well as a physical copy, then the PDF becomes my play copy. So that's kind of cool. At least I think so. So last up here is Forrest Gary. Last but not least, Forrest Gary, one of our patrons, says, I'm utilitarian. I'm only collecting that which I will use. Yeah, I know. That's crazy talk. But seriously, I only buy what I can use, even if it's modified and used in a way not intended by its creator, and then I use it. Makes sense. That's kind of, uh, we talked about that last time. That's kind of where I'm at with a lot of the different... Uh, pieces I'm collecting used to try to be a little more in the Alex camera camp, but now I'm pretty much utilitarian about it. Cool. Cool. We good. We ready to roll on. We are. Let's do it. What in the heck? Keeping players engaged. This must be crazy talk. (laughs) So we got to see if if Angela is correct and if Sean is a whole lot more bark than bite, perhaps. Let's see here. Let's Oof. see. Oof. So we've talked about this before, and one of um one of the uh, folks on the show, uh, Chris Steele, mentioned it. Um, going through the back catalog, he said, "You know, guys, you've you've talked about you know ways to make combat a little more interesting or different ways to do different bits and pieces." And I think this is a uh, player engagement. I want to try to see i've got an inkling that this is more than uh more than just fast combat and more than just talking now talking to your players uh as opposed to what sean likes to do is actually a good thing um we've talked about that before and i don't want to it's not the answer blah, can't blah 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 blah, 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 blah social contract players blah 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 <laughs> you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, talk yeah. It out, you want to you want to do something blah 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 go ahead <laughs> discuss amongst yourselves there's an interesting piece though is that when the rubber meets throat everyone said you know what i like to do i like to have a lot of action I like to be able to make sure the limelight goes back and forth. I like to have this. I like to have that. And the DM and the players go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <clears throat> and then during the game itself or before the game and after the game, what are the things that we're doing or not doing perhaps that have worked for us or things that may perhaps have uh, <laughs> galactically failed and caused nothing but terror and misery? Um, maybe sharing those things so people don't follow in our same abysmal footsteps. So <clears throat> I've got my notes in here, our little vague talking points. I think I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up, Sean. I'm going to go to the, the, the before that we'll talk before the game first, then during, and then after I had it completely out of order here. Cause I'm an idiot. Oh my God, dude. I'm, I'm totally, <laughs> you uh, lost. I'm, I don't what mind, huh? mind blown. <laughs> no, there's my sound effect. <laughs> Sorry, my, my mind blown sound effect. <laughs> it's a very, very small <laughs> sound. There it goes. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, so before the game, one of the things I I do as a game master, and this is, it's it kind of comes into that you know when we I've talked about using Wiki before or Google Plus, excuse me, communities and email or text and so forth. If your group has agreed that hey we're going to communicate to each other in a certain way, one of the things that I do is I try to make sure that I'm taking the week because I only play once a month with my with my main group. 
So the week of the game, whatever that date is, is we use Google communities, Google Plus communities to communicate. So I put a post up, say, hey, game's here. This is everybody who said there's in, said they are in. Here's everyone who said they're out. Any changes? And that served me pretty well. Uh, it does a couple different things. I notice, you know, hey, <laughs> work came up, life came up. Half the group can't make it. And instead of showing up without anything else prepared, we say, oh, wow, um, I guess we can't play Bad Magic this weekend. How about we play Merp instead? Okay, yeah, shit, we'll do that. Okay, we'll bring that up. Hey, we can't play this this week because no one showed up. Hey, Alpha, why don't you run that World of Darkness thing you've been building? So we use the opportunity to communicate ahead of the game um, to make sure that we're those of us who are going to be there are going to game and that we have some sort of a game plan. Sean, do you do, do you do anything like that? That makes sense. Uh, I do have I do have players uh, for my last couple games. They have to. I've made it kind of a thing that they have to be on Google Plus because that's where I'm going to use all the communication pieces. Email, no, like email. I it's it's one or nothing like else. So I've chosen Google Plus. Um, except one of our players isn't on there now. I don't know what to do, dude. <laughs> I'll take care of that. Don't you worry. Um, but anyways. Uh, I do that, but we're we're not switching it up as much as you, Brett. No, and the only reason we had to switch it up is because I'm only running, my group is meeting once a month, and we meet usually last Saturday of the month in my hometown, and we start at like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, and then go till about midnight, and shit happens, right? Sometimes we'll have to cancel a game, or like someone say, hey, Sean can't make it, he's sick, or whatever, can't, this, that, or the other thing, <clears throat> excuse me. So people can't game this Wednesday. That's okay. We'll pick it up in two weeks. Eh, we'll pick it up next week. That's not as bad. But the idea of a pre-game communication, to me anyway, as far as engagement goes, is are you in? Do you remember there's a game coming? Sometimes people are dumbasses like Brett and forget to put shit on their calendars like I do sometimes. Like, oh, fuck, I got to do this thing. So it's a short little boom. Are you going to come? Are you ready? <clears throat> the other thing I do. just See, you don't, Oh, sorry. You don't go to, ahead. You don't have to do that if you're doing it every week or every other week it's like we're gonna game every other wednesday online seven o'clock yep but you have you 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 built up count you built calendar um appointments ahead of time for all the games so it pops up calendars google so you you built that stuff that's how i roll brett i know you do very organized very disciplined it's as if you had a rail that you had everything laid out on did somebody say train <laughs> okay, I don't know what happened there. I've never seen train again. This needs to stop. Oh, whoops, <laughs> wrong train. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we're never doing <laughs> hey that again. Hey-o. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. <laughs> so the other thing, so that's way early before the game. Now, before the actual game itself starts, <clears throat> people gather on the table, um, online, whatever it is, and you're gathering at the game space. I like to get there <coughs> Excuse me, early as a player and as a game master. So to get that initial bullshitting out of the way, the BSing, right? How's it going? Hey, Sean, we don't work together anymore. How was your, how's the new job? Hey, Brad, how's the wife? How's the kids? How'd that graduation party go? That's what we do every other Wednesday. Yeah, I know. But for the four saps in our group are like, God, man, I don't care what you guys do at your work. But every group, I believe, needs some time to just get together and BS. Uh, Chris Nizak is working on something with me and a few other folks. And when we get together, <clears throat> there's still a half hour to an hour of BS. Make sure this is set up. Is the mic right? Is that good? How are you doing? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How was the graduation party again? Blah, blah, blah. 
One of the things that I've done from a game master perspective, and even when I am as a player, <clears throat> I'll I try to case the room, if you will, and look around. Is somebody totally not there? Are they befuddled? Did they forget their character sheet? Did somebody look panicked? Is somebody are they giving off any physical, uh, nonverbal cues or even verbal cues that they're not off? They're not on tonight. They're off. They're tired. They're stressed out. Maybe that pregame, you know, bull session needs to take an extra 15, 20 minutes or half hour or whatever. Or maybe somebody's like, you know what, fuck, I forgot my dice. Hey, man, I got spare dice. Here you go. Oh, I forgot my character sheet. That's okay. We can wing it. Here's a blank sheet. God, going. <clears throat> I know. What the hell, man? I know. I'm, I'm catering to the weakest D- Brett, denominator. That's what you're going to say. This, I'm just, look at this. Is, this is what it is, people. Brett, <laughs> Brett is playing a facade, man. Uh-huh. Everybody. He's got tattoos. He rides a Harley Davidson. But you know what? Big heart. This guy. Huge yeah. heart. Me? I would not put up with that bullshit, Brett. <laughs> nice, Sean. You're going to go into a role-playing game and you don't bring dice or your character. Come on. It happens. Oh. But anyway, one of the pieces, again, when we're talking player engagement, is is everybody on tonight? Is something off? Does someone have a problem? I have had players show up. This is ages back. They were pissed. They had a bad day, pissed at their girlfriend, pissed at their wife, whatever. And I had my one buddy, John. Or husband or boyfriend. Or husband or boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah actually. Um, it was. <laughs> there was that one time. No, there was. Um, the one girl we were gaming with, she came in and she was pissed. She was pissed at her boyfriend and didn't want. She looked at me and said, I can't game tonight. I said, okay. Everyone was like, oh, something wrong. She was, I just, I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to go home. Okay. She just got up and left. Um, okay, that that's fine as opposed to dragging the whole group down or whatever. I've had. I had a buddy of mine, John. Uh, John hasn't gamed with me in forever, but John came in one time and he was exhausted. He'd put in like a you know seventy hour week. I looked at him. He goes, "Brett, expect nothing from me. I'm really sorry. I'll, I'll roll dice and fight monsters, but I just I don't want to do much. I want to be here because I need the relaxed time, but I'm just not in it." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." And again, not every group's going to tell you that, but that's a thing I do. You know what <clears> though? I would I would much like it if a player brought it up. Like if they just brought that up, like, hey, look, I'm going to be useless or my mind is in a different place and either not play and be there or play, be there and actually let you know, right? Absolutely. Because then if you're playing and you're like, wow, they're really just not in the game, which is fine. But if if you know about it ahead of time for whatever the reason, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And again, it's just engagement with players is not... I mean, it's not like, hey, there's plenty of stuff for his character to do. There's, you know, is the player there or are they not? Just before the game, if they're not mentally prepared to game, again, maybe you need an extra 15 minutes. Maybe they need another cup of coffee. Maybe we need to order pizza now. It's small, simple, stupid shit. But you, everybody gets together. We good? We're set? Good. All right. When we, left, left our hero, when we last left our heroes, boom, and you get into it. Everybody died. <clears throat> everybody died. Starting from scratch. Star Wars, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so simple, simple thing to me in the beginning anyway, have some of that stuff. Now, during the game, um, <clears throat> this is where it kind of gets to, to me, some of the more perhaps formulaic, uh, strong, f- strong phrase here. But one of the pieces to me is that it's the usual. You don't want one person to have all the limelight. Who goes, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. And a lot of it is, you know, you talked. So I'm going to assume that you had the social contracty discussion. Hey, we're going to play a Pathfinder game. It's going to be in Galorian. We're going to be battling this. We're going to be fighting that. We're going to be trying to save the king of whoever what's it. Okay, great. Everyone gets that. They're signed up. They're in. The characters all fit. Everything's good. There has to be stuff for people to do, right? You have a character. You have two fighters, 
uh, a paladin, a wizard, you know, you, you know all this stuff. Your adventure needs to have stuff for all these folks to do. And every session, somebody should have something to do. You don't want to have a session, in my opinion, where the paladin has not a goddamn thing to do. Or the wizard oh, has nothing wizardly to do. The paladin. Yeah, the paladin. Jesus, who likes those fuckers anyway? Thorn in, thorn in my side. Exactly. But you want to make sure everyone has something to do. And it's a simple <clears throat> a simple thing is that sometimes you can you can present opportunities for people and you have to be cognizant and pay attention. Again, you know, is if everyone's playing, what are they doing? What are they grabbing onto? And and go with it. If the group and this kind of comes to the, you know, uh Chris and Phil have talked about it, we've talked about it before. But when the group finds something that's really, really interesting, they all really want to role play something at the great you know, at the at the feast of the barons, they're really into figuring something out at this great feast. Let it go. Keep rolling with it. Keep moving because that's what the players want to do. Um, the limelight, yeah, you want to pass it back and forth and so on. Um, but Sean, let's talk about kind of during that game. What do you? How are you doing that? Are you using something like simple cutscenes? Are you just a plethora of stuff? Are you sandboxing it? What do you? I mean, how are you making sure that it keeps rolling? Moving, man. Moving. moving. Moving things around. So when my, char- when my character, the mechanic, is sitting back on the ship. Oh, God. And he's driving you bananas because Tornos is like, hey, I like being back here. Because you don't do anything. <laughs> like, Brett is in my game and he doesn't do anything. I he like, sits on the ship. I know. I love him being back on the ship. Gathering all this data, it's a lot of fun for me. I like it. You know, it, it, the, here's the reason why it bothers me. And it's not the reason you might think it is. It's not because you're sitting on the ship. It's because I want to make sure you're not bored out of your gore. And I'm not. And if, well, and then that makes me kind of feel like, is that, are you just showing up to like watch what, <laughs> watch how the I want to see how bad this, I want to see how bad Sean is. I'm just going to be here to see it. That's fair. That's fair. No, 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 no. So this is a piece though, right? Is that, so I want to use this, <laughs> this specific example is in Sean's Star Wars game, my character is a Duros. Uh, Tornos Rani is, is is my guy, and Tornos is the ship's mechanic. He loves being a mechanic. He's an absolute gearhead. He doesn't like. He's got a bad temper. He smokes a lot. He likes messing with the ship, fixing stuff, polishing things up. Blah blah blah. He's broken more hydro spanners than you can, you know, shake a uh, what what the one of those things that Minoc you could shake a Minoc at. Um, right. <laughs> so because that's because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. Minoc you shake yeah. them at things, or you electrocute the, the outside of the ship, and that way when they land they just get fried. That's but, true, that too. His whole thing is the ship is his house. That's his, That's It's great, and he loves making sure that it's safe and secure, and it's the safest place for everyone to come back to. So that's his thing. And um, Sean will look at me and go, Brett, what do you want to do? I'm, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I know some of the other players are like, why does he just want Because that's what I'm, I'm having fun doing it. I've rigged it up so that my character has, he's got great computer skills, mechanical stuff, through the droid out there, through... <laughs> <laughs> through a great weird assassin droid. I have full audio visual capabilities. I'm sucking stuff in. I'm recording everything for later data playback. I'm doing all this cool stuff. So I'm loving it and I don't have a lot of action. It doesn't bother me. I'm fine with that. You know, but when the shit hits the fan, we have to escape, we have to do something. There's a big flight through space. I'm the guy that makes sure the ship is working 100% all the time, all the gears working. And I'm I'm totally getting off on that. That's awesome. I know some of the other guys probably would not like to be back there. I love watching um, 
Kevin and the guys go at it where they're trying to smooth talk somebody or they're trying to get past the barkeeper, trying to work something like that. It's hilarious. I love being yeah. part of it. The cool part about the Star Wars system is I get to pitch in <clears throat> right when they're rolling dice and they go, oh my God, we got five successes and, and two threats. What the hell does that do? I get to pitch in my ideas and stuff. So there's plenty in that game for me to do, even if it's not directed at me. That's fair. But the team, the group itself, is providing that opportunity. So even if I don't have anyone trying to shoot me in the face, like they're trying to shoot Austin's character in the face, that's okay. That's I could still, because I've rigged up the, all of us can, I can see and hear what they're doing. They can see and hear what I'm doing. It's fine. I get to th throw cool stuff at them and record data and it's, it's a blast. And for those of you that don't think I have the gumption to like put the kibosh on the Brettster, don't be mistaken. Like if he thinks he's gonna hold himself in that ship and think that he's safe. Oh, Sean's attacked the ship more than once. I've had, to fight, I've had to fight people off the ship a couple of times. Uh, don't sell me short. No, 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 no. So the cool thing though that I think you are that you're doing with it is that <clears throat> we'll be going doing something. We got our droid and our pilot who's an alcoholic out there trying to smooth talk their way into something. They'll get to a certain point. You'll say, "Okay, hang on, Austin, you." Right. And Jim, what are you two doing? And we do, it's a cutscene thing, right? A lot you gotta of times. Cut, you got to cut a lot, though, because you can't, you can't waver on a, on a, because, so you guys split up quite a bit. Absolutely. We split the party constantly. Constantly. And so I got to keep, I got to make sure that one story does, one avenue doesn't take up more than it should. And I, you know, some guys are, you know, ordering Chinese and playing cards and waiting for their turn. Exactly. But the, those cutscenes, <coughs> excuse me, uh, allow us to jump from component story to component story, you know, to story component, excuse me, story component to story component. That all weaves together, and it's really cool. And I think that's a, it's that type of, <coughs> so long way around, I guess I wanted to say that that's kind of, my character, I'm playing him the way I described. Um, Kevin Austin playing their characters the way they were described. We got, we got our droid and our crazy slicer, and those guys are out doing their thing, and Jim and Steve, and, and they're allowed to each have their bit of limelight, have a lot of fun, and the whole group gets in on it because we know the camera's going to pan over to the next piece. You know, when Jim's on the ship with me and some something comes by or something happens, we're going to have a chance. We're going to have some stuff going on. And we know that because the action's always moving. So from an engagement perspective is that and it's easier to do when I had 13 players at one point back in my old vampire days. It was harder because you've, because you've got to roll through the whole group and make sure everybody's got shit to do, pair people up or triple them up and have them running off doing things. But everybody needs to have something to do. And to me, the coolest part about a good cutscene or a jump component, and Sean does the same thing I do, is that you're going half the group. They split up for some reason. The group is going, okay. All right, I'll get right back to you. Like, oh, I was right on the edge of a second. Don't roll that die. We'll get right back to the die roll. And you step away and leave them hanging. It's mini cliffhangers. Um, as you go, it keeps everybody interested and, and kind of hanging on to it. Um, <clears throat> the other piece to me is that during a game, one of the things that I have found and that I, I, I'm seeing it with, with Sean as well and with uh, and Sneezek does the same thing when we're when I'm playing with Chris is that there's a certain point when the group doesn't want to fight something, right? So I've played D&D &D many times, obviously, and there's certain points when the characters are investigating a thing or looking into something, they're searching, they're trying to dig up data, and everyone's really into it, 
There's no need. No one's bogged down. Ninjas don't have to kick in the door. And a goblin doesn't have to attack. Things are going fine. Um, again, it's kind of that, <clears throat> excuse me, the group has found a type of action that they want to get into. Now, you're reading the group, you're paying attention, and when the fighter's like, oh, my God, you know, find whatever, you know, mages, pick it up, do something. Um, <clears throat> if That might be a good time for ninjas to kick in the door type of thing. But I like to space out. I don't believe that every game session has to be action-packed, oh, my God, you know, short of breath by the time we're done running. But if the group is stymied or, again, if you prepped a little bit before the game, looking at the group, half the group just wants to kill orcs and take their stuff tonight. Okay, make sure there's lots of orcs to kill and lots of gold to pick up. Um, but I like to use the combat and the other types of action and those role-playing bits and break them up throughout the session. If some And start off with one. If everybody's really digging a combat, eh, maybe we need a lot of fighting tonight and throw in a few more encounters. What do you think, Sean? Yes, I do think you are correct, Brett. Yeah, during the game? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I also think you have to have, um, besides incorporating players, I think you got to have some interesting stuff going on. Um, if things seem to drag or there isn't anything for the players to sink their teeth into, um, or or they're led to a spot where they're not sure where to go, mm-hmm. right? You're not maybe feeding them enough info that they could use. Even though you think you're like, I've given them almost every single bit, sometimes players don't grab all that. I mean, come on, let's admit it, Brett. They're players, right? That's true. Sometimes you just got to <laughs> gotta put it all out there, man. Put the just everything. And, and sometimes you got to smack them in the face with it. The other thing I have done from an engagement perspective, <clears throat> because we're talking about players here, is sometimes the session was, like I said, I, I start playing with my group a long night, so it's 5 to midnight, usually around 11 to midnight. Sometimes I end at 10 because we're done. We've yeah. gone to a certain point, and we're like, you know what? This is a good place to call it. Look at the group. Yeah, yeah, this is a good place to call it. <clears throat> and then just stop. Sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, in my experience... Push in to meet an artificial deadline. Say, well, we always game till 9 o'clock. We got to go till 9 o'clock. I, I guess if you've got a hard fast that you can't go past the timeline, right? People need to go put kids to bed or they've got something that, somewhere they need to be. They have to stop. Again, you should say that as a player. Like, look, I got a hard stop at 10 o'clock tonight. I got to do something. But otherwise, if you don't have to hit a deadline, if you can go over a little bit, great. Usually going over can be a, a bit of a stretch, so you got to watch your time there. But sometimes, again, this is not a con game. It's your home game. Sometimes you have to end it early. You know? Yeah. We're going, yeah. we're doing fine. We really like this. The group is kind of stuck. Sean poked and prodded us. And um, the players would actually rather just drink beer and bullshit tonight. You know what? That's okay. <clears throat> you may have gone through two dungeon rooms and uh, maybe, you know, captured the double agent, interrogated him, and went, uh, everyone took a break. And when the pizza showed up, no one wanted to start playing again. Sometimes to me, and, and I know it, not every player is like that, and not every group does that, but I have had it happen to me in the past where that night session needs to end. From an engagement perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, from an engagement perspective, forcing engagement. No, we're going to play tonight, goddammit. We, no, we're here to play. We got to go. We got to go. There's a level of dedication I appreciate, but paying attention again to the group. Your players will feel more engaged. Like, yeah, we had a lot. Of, yeah, we had a lot of good. Yeah, boy, we sure get off tar- 
target last time, but that's okay. Hey, let's knuckle down. Let's really get in it tonight. You know, because every group isn't going to be on all the time. Even my amazing Pantheon of Gods gaming group that I have, um, on occasion, will have to end a little bit early because that's the right thing to do. Get out of here. Are you serious? I'm pulling back the curtain and telling you some secrets, man. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, But I guess it sounds, to me, it sounds a little counterintuitive, but because you want to keep people engaged and acting and doing and, and moving and sometimes need to stop that thing because everyone's done. Nobody wants to move anymore. No one wants to finish up the game of risk. No one wants to finish playing access and allies. Cause has anybody ever finished a game of access and allies? I ask you anyway. Um, if you don't want, if you, the group is like, yeah, we're done. Sometimes you just stop. And other times if you're going and it's going really well and you can go long and the group is really into it, you know, a cliffhanger can be good, and sometimes an extra half hour to wrap up an encounter or something else can also be good. If the group is really there, kind of feeding them a little bit more can be good. So, Sean, in the so as the game itself is going, not just the stopping and starting, is there anything else just from keeping the players engaged? I mean, there's always props and, you know, wonky sounds and wacky antics. Dude, throwing in an NPC that's directly interacting with somebody that's not not in the game. Oh, yeah. Or seems to be drifting. Okay, yeah. So you've got that player out there who's just not in it. Have the uh, the bad guy shaman sing- singles him out. Or the, right. the the champion orc looks across the room, points at the paladin who's been doing nothing, says, you, me, and charges across the, com- the floor into single combat. You're like, what the hell? Now everything's I over can there. Think of, I cannot think of a better idea, Brett. That's a good idea. I like I that. know. Roll for initiative, Dick. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Too late. Ooh, bam. <laughs> Get stuff rolling. You're now, now that player is now engaged. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, the other thing I've found from a player engagement perspective is sometimes, uh, especially when you have new characters, and I don't know that everybody does this. Or I think a lot of people do, but you're starting to play a new game, whatever it is. And yeah, I built the thing. It's the Pathfinder game. Glorian, we're gonna kill the king of the orcs and free the land of the whomevers. Great, and. <laughs> Partway through, dude, somebody, we got to make an adventure with all these. Like, <laughs> with all these, you said King. What, what did you say earlier? <laughs> I the don't King. Know. What, what's, what's his, his face? Or something. No, something. It was something else. Something. Who's a fuzz or something? I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, what Anyways. I'm saying is that when a player looks at you and they don't like their character, sometimes it's the, sometimes the inaction, and we're gonna get this is kind of the after the game component we're gonna gonna get into here in a bit. But the the this concept of I don't like my character. If you if you notice this. I guess let's just go right into kind of after the game. When you're talking to the players, I offer the players an opportunity at almost every, at almost any point. We're like, look, if you're sick of that character for whatever reason, like, hey, he just doesn't, you know, you know, Dorian Rock Cleaver Axe Muncher, the dwarf, just doesn't fit in here anymore. I got to write this shit down. This is gold. <laughs> Can I'd rather play a ranger because this, this just, this isn't, I, I don't know. I don't like this guy. I'd like to do something different. And I think by having those, again, we're talking about the players here, is the players basically looking at you saying, you know, hey, Angela, I really don't like this dwarf anymore. I'd like to play a ranger. And if Angela says, you know what, that's what the player wants. It will totally fit. Yeah, okay, let's let's find a way to get you something that will help you play better, help you stay engaged. Sometimes I have found, in my experience anyway, that players aren't, they may like the storyline. They may like what's happening. But if the the tools in front of them, if that character isn't working for them for some reason, they may need some help to retcon it. They may need some help to change it totally. 
But if you sometimes when you can't engage with the game, it's because not that I don't get the rules, but that character sheet, my handle on the situations, my my gateway into that world isn't working for me. That's a tool that isn't working, and I like to change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you so think, do you allow people to do that, Sean? We've not, I've never done that with you. Have you change allowed? their character. change the character. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Typically, changing a character is not a problem. I. I mean, I've done that. Um, I don't want a player to play something that's like, I started out with this. It's not the direction I want to go after the campaign started, and I want to change that. Great. You know, switch it over completely. And I guess it does, it's up to the player on whether they want to kill their current character and then recreate one or how they want to handle that change. But mm-hmm. I don't want a player that's going to be playing a game every week or every other week or once a month and, and not and stuck like what they're and not like what they're playing. I mean, Great. I, I took a halfling cleric and I thought it'd be cool, but I can't stand Hodo the furry footed anymore. I don't want this. I'm, I'm feeling a little weak by admitting that, but uh, you know, <laughs> the other piece to me is uh, <clears throat> other people have talked about this and we've mentioned it before too, is that kind of, those checkpoints you have with the players, yeah. even at a break. Hey, how's it going? Do you guys like this? I think this is going pretty well. What do you think? And sometimes we will say that stuff out loud to the whole group, which is fine. And the players will say, yeah, this is fun. No, I'm, I'm doing fine. No, this is cool. Yeah, I kind of like this. This is fun. Let's see where it goes. If you know, you, if you've played with your players, as long as I have with some of the, the men and women in my group, um, when Zave goes, I'd like to see where this goes. Zave means... I don't know what's going on. I'm a little bit bored. I hope you pick it up next time. <clears throat> All right, Zave, I got you down. I know what that means. Um, when I Kevin's see where this goes, <laughs> yeah. When Kevin says something like, "Oh no, this is good. I like it. I like my character. This is a good direction. I like it." Kevin's not kidding. He's he's fucking telling you exactly the deal. And I've had other players that are like, mm, "No, that this is working." And you're like, oh, "What the hell does that mean?" And not everybody in a large group wants to, you know, we've got four, five, six men and women at the table. Angela may not want to look at, may look over at Sean and Chris and, you know, and Kevin and go, you know, I'm not really all that happy here. I'd kind of like to tell Brett I'm not pleased, but, you know, everyone else seems to be getting it. And and, and I've done that too. We're sitting there and someone says something like, well, I'm not having that much fun. Should I bring everybody down? Nah, I don't want to do anything. So the other thing I do is I do have I do one-on-one check-ins with my players. Oh, you have one you schedule one. I schedule one. It's the manager in me. I can't help it. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, what I will do like uh, before at the game itself, either before, after, or sometimes someone will text me or we'll be trading emails. Hey, what's going on or whatever it is. They'll be like, hey, what do you think, man? How, how are you liking it? And I have smaller groups now. I don't play with thirteen with thirteen men and women anymore. So now when I'm down to like six people, <clears throat> eight max, it's a hell of a lot easier to reach out and say, what do you think? And um, by doing that, I've had Kevin say, well, you know, the last game session, I really felt like our agency was kind of stripped from us. We were kind of, you know, Sean Kelly railroaded into something here. Uh, he didn't say those words, but he meant it. Um, <laughs> and I went, oh, wow. I mean... No one said that to me out loud at the game. I could tell something was off, and I asked the group, mm. like, no, this is interesting. This is cool. If I'd have just taken them all at face value, and again, it's not like they're lying to me or they don't want to hurt my, they, you know, want to protect Brett's, you know, sensitive little feelings. Or maybe they do. I don't know. But are they? I don't know. I don't know, Brett. Maybe they're lying to me. Well, doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe they just don't understand that I actually do have feelings. Maybe they don't know that. 
Huh. Maybe I need to share. Open up a little bit more. Anyway. Steel, steel feelings. But steel feeling, feeling. But still coming from a heart. Exactly. Anyway, I have found that I, it's kind of a cliche, but you sometimes you, you might be surprised or pleased of a private conversation. And that is also an opportunity I have had where somebody has said to me, I don't like this person at the table. I said, really? Ooh. What's happening? Oh, this person is being an ass. I'm not seeing that. What is he doing or what is she doing? Oh, they're oh. doing this thing. Fuck. Okay. Um, I'll fix that. And <clears throat> from an engagement perspective of your players, and perhaps this isn't quite where Chris Steele was going with, with this question on how to keep players engaged, but keeping people active with the game and caring about the game and liking what they're doing, to me, lends itself to an atmosphere where people want to play. They show up to play. If they feel that they have an opportunity to before the game, be able to say, hey, yeah, this is good. Hey, can I change my character? Can I do a thing? And then post-game, if they know that that they can have a confidential conversation or that they can have an open and honest conversation one-on-one with me about, hey, as Kevin did, I don't like this thing. Oh, fuck, dude. I didn't even notice that. My buddy Lenny has done that. I've asked him, <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I felt that session was kind of weak. What do you think? I pick certain people periodically and say, Zave, I did not feel good, man. What, did something wrong? Is they like, no, we all had fun. I think you were the only person struggling there. Really? Yeah, go ask the other guy. So I ask around. They're like, no, Brad, you're you're just you're full of shit, dude. We all had fun. I ask him each individually. They tell me so. Great. Other times, though, Zavis said, yeah, I think we're confused. I don't think we know what the hell you're doing. And uh, yeah, okay, shit. <laughs> then, I, then I can start to tear it apart and figure out what the problem is and bring some cohesiveness back. Sometimes too many plot threads are going all at once. There's something happening. There are people confused. But uh, so anyway, I rambled a bit there as usual. Sean, what do you think about all this here? You need to conduct, you're conducting a survey 360, man. A little bit. Maybe I need a survey monkey <laughs> to go out there and. Survey 360. Survey 360. Tell Gap me, how, how have I been doing? <laughs> Gap that's analysis, right. that's what I need. That's right. I'm yeah. going to get one of the BAs from my day job to show up, <laughs> run a flow chart for me. Let's see if Everett can pull that off. He could do that. That's right. Yeah, there you go. But what do you think about that? Am I being. Is that, I, cr- is that crazy I think talk? you're going the extra mile, man. I would. I don't I don't check in with my players after the game. Yeah, I know. You kind of... Maybe I do. Everyone's... I mean, if I went to lunch with you and maybe it came up like, hey, man, how'd you think it went? And you were like, man, it went like dog shit. I'd be like, ah, I will now kill you and your player, <laughs> no. and your player character. And you're well, not, not and you, because that would not work. That would wreck the show. But, player character. But now you're not allowed to game with me anymore because you're an ass and I don't like you. Right. Well, right. I, I asked you, but I didn't think you'd be so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> that was honest. nice. I, I asked, but I wasn't looking for honesty. So that's right. that's the flip side, right? Is if you do ask, either before or after the game or during the game, how's everybody doing? Expect honesty and be ready for it. Somebody may say, "I don't like it." You know, we, we've uh, we've talked about that. Somebody might be like, "You know, I really thought I liked this Cthulhu thing. Um, I don't like it. I'll, I'm going to bail. I'll come back next game." It doesn't mean that they hate you or your shit DM. See they you may... later, sucker. <laughs> yeah, Fine. Like, no, you're a good keeper and all that, but yeah, it's just not my thing, and I'm going to bail. that way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it happens. You suck. You suck. You suck, I, so man. I guess where I'm going here now that, and uh, this will make Sneezek laugh now that we've rambled about this for a while. Right. Um, I really think that, to me, engagement at the table starts kind of it's it's out it out it's out of game, right? If people feel that this is a place where they're there to game, if they have a if they have an issue, if they have a grievance, <coughs> excuse me, about a thing, they can talk about it. If they want to change their characters, they can do that. 
if you're like, hey, look, you know, I, I'm having an off night tonight, that open communication, it's not even um, social contract about what's happening in the game itself. It's the outside of the game components, in my opinion, that can really help make your players want to stay engaged in what's going on. And maybe some of the guys in my group, maybe Kevin will write in and say, Jesus Christ, he sucks at that. He's he, he's lying. He's, I never feel that open. That, that guy's a bastard. Maybe that's maybe that's a case that I'm overselling what I'm trying to. But that's what I'm trying to do is to make the game somewhere. We're all friends. We're all here to game. I mean, I know most of these men and women outside of the game as well. And especially in my home group, I want people to feel like they can say something about anything. Like, hey, yeah, I really, God, I really, I was really trying to do something last night. And I really felt like the fighters had all the action. There's, <coughs> excuse me. There's nothing for the clerk to do. There's nothing over here. And sometimes my response will be, well, I had stuff for you to do. I wasn't sure why you didn't do it. And like, oh, what do you mean by that? And then you, again, it's kind of that before and after or even during the game at a break at a break in the game. People, God, I, just, I feel like I can't do anything where the game master can raise their hand and they can say, look, the reason Angela is more engaged here than you are, Sean, is because Angela took the initiative to jump on this, that, or the other thing. And Sean, what you could do, you see these, you know, oh yeah, shit, you're right. You know, so anyway, God, I'm babbling again, but I, I think if the, if the table is open and everyone as players and game master, or, you know, and some people refer to everyone at the table as a player, but the point is that if you guys are able to talk amongst yourself and make the table a comfortable place to have those discussions and everyone he feels in, everyone feels like they have opportunities to do stuff and that their opinions are equally valid. It kind of goes to making the game table a safe place, perhaps. But I really think that drives engagement. Now, Sean, I'm going to desperately try to shut up here. I'm going to mute my mic and let you talk. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say? Comments. <laughs> what, what, do you think of, what do you think about what I just rambled through there? Does that resonate to you? Do you think I'm full of shit? What? No, dude. I think that your approach is solid. I th I think it's even going above and beyond because I usually don't, like I said, ping people after the fact. And I think that it's good. And I think it's uh, dialogue. Man, it's all about communication in this freaking hobby. Yeah, really. It really is. I mean, people withholding their their thoughts about something and going into passive aggressive mode or um, not sharing what they're what. The, how they feel about the current game and what they're feeling. And you, you, Brett, you're doing one-on-ones, man. You're like, hey, let's sit down and go over some goals and what you're thinking of. Uh, how's it going? How's your job? Like, in the party. <laughs> so maybe I'm going too crazy there. Maybe that's my problem. I don't, well, some may say that it's like right on, man. Maybe it's, maybe it's something we need more of in the hobby. So now the... You're not doing it, but you're still pulling in data, right? So are you gleaning, <coughs> excuse me, are you pulling it more from action during the game? Are you taking it, internalizing it, and trying to change? Do you talk to people? Do you break it down? You know, Brett, it's kind of a, that is a tough question for me because, frankly, um, you know. I don't even either, think about other people. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to show up the following week or they're not. Um, And, you know, I might have a gut intuition piece that, plays a role in that. Um, so it's reading the table and how the players are kind of getting along. Frankly, I would just, and I really stipulate way up in the front of the game is like, look, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You got to tell me if you're bored out of your gourd, 
it's not working, it's not what you want to play, I suck as a GM, it's okay, just tell me. It's it. There may be another game that's better for you, or maybe when we wrap this up and you want to come back and Brett takes over and you want to play his game for whatever reason, I mean, that's cool too. And that's okay. I just hope people have... Like I hope I convey that in a sincere in a sincere way that they actually act upon it if it gets to that point. Have you t- have you had anybody take you up on that? Um, I don't know, right? Because the players or the group that is currently every other Wednesday is not the same group I started. Now, a buddy of mine, he I think would tell me like, dude, this totally sucks. I'm, well, actually, I don't know if he would tell me. I could ask him, and he would tell me. So I don't know if he's just kind of bowed. I think he bowed out because he had a lot of stuff going on. Um, Brian bowed out as well, and I think it was a matter of him not being able to just game every other Wednesday. So he he had some things come up as well. So I think those, and frankly, they talk like you and I talk. So I'm not, I don't think they're withholding anything and left the game because of some you know, I'm distraught or not liking you or whatever. Okay. So, but you do have, I mean, so I guess perhaps a different certain people in my game, I see more often outside of the game, Kevin uh, and Austin live in the twin city area. So I don't right. physically see them that often. So for me, a, a non-personal one-on-one, like when I go up to Wausau and I crash at Zay's place and he, JR and I go out for dinner, it's just the three of us. So I have an opportunity to ping them both, see what they think. If I'm up there and hanging out with Lenny <clears throat> and I have a chance to get a beer with him, hey, you know, and I can ask him. Right. Kevin Austin, I don't always get that opportunity because of time and distance. So it behooves me to send him an email or a text and say, hey, what are you thinking? I thought, I think the game's going okay. What do you think? And so far, both of them have been very good with giving me, you know, constructive and to the point criticism. Not everybody's comfortable doing that. Right. Which is, and, and again, that's, that's fine. But I think um, taking that and then doing something with it is the important piece. And if someone says, geez, we really feel kind of like that we just didn't have our agency. Okay, I get it. I'm going to fix that. Next session, when it's fixed, the people who gave you something, see you did a thing with it, their engagement level will go up. Like, oh, I told Brett that I wish we had more of X and X occurred. So that's cool. We as a, We as a group said... We don't want to fight the Cthulhu mythos anymore. We would like to play something different. We're playing something different. Even that, that, that simple of a thing, like, hey, we don't want to play D&D anymore. We'd like to try something different. And then saying, well, we're going to play Dungeon World. All right. So the group is kind of like, yeah, but it's still D&D. It's still fantasy. We want something really different. We really want something, you know, gumshoe or something, inner space, something different guy. I don't want to see another fucking dungeon and swords anymore. Okay. When they give you something like that and you do something with it, that again, it, it just ups the level of engagement of your players and they start to really give a shit about the game because what they say matters. And oh, Sean's rolling his eyes at me there. Yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, brother. But you know what I mean, though, dude. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if. If I told you, dude, Star Wars fucking sucks. I think this game is boring as hell. I don't want to play anymore. Okay. I mean, you'd be like, all right, I, I get it. See ya. Call, call in five years, buddy. <clears throat> call in five years, dick. Um, <laughs> that's what we're playing forever. <laughs> Damn it. 
But doing um, that type of, I really think when players feel like they're part of the decision making, they're part of the entire package that is the gaming experience, their engagement goes up. If they're just there consuming a thing and they, I mean, they're putting effort and energy into it, assuming we've got good players who are doing that. And um, if they feel ignored or they feel put upon in some way, their engagement level is going to be down. And it doesn't matter what other tips and tricks you use, however fast you want to make combat, if you're not listening to the rest of it. That is true, Brad. I, let's finish this and freaking put a bullet in this damn All right, place. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus Christ. It, I went way off the rails you, on you, they're dude, just, If they're just not into it, it's it doesn't matter what you do. All the tips and tricks and everything we just said are you just throw this. Hey, just freaking delete this episode. Just right do now. it, right? <laughs> so, uh, it's not now. I mean, you I should know. have deleted it to begin with. But oh my god, this is what happens right. when I get a new bottle of scotch and I try to record an episode with it. This is just not good. Let's get into die roll for God's sakes, man. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery you want to share with you? Yeah. Right? Come up with two. I've got three. Let's make it happen. Yeah. So there is in the uh, little uh, blogosphere out there, a uh, Siberian fisherman was out doing the thing, and he accidentally netted a 4,000-year-old pagan god. What? <laughs> that, that in and of itself. It's a 4,000-year-old figurine um, uh, in uh, in uh, Tislu, the Rus- uh, Russia's uh, – uh, good, I need your wife to pronounce this. Yeah. Uh, Kemer, uh, Kemerovo region. God, I always butcher these things. But anyway, he Kemerova. found this, Kemerova. He found this really cool uh, figurine, and just the headline itself grabbed me. Accidentally, nets four thousand year old pagan god. I I read that and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, this is really cool. You've got some fishing trawler going by, and he nets a sarcophagus. He nets something, and guess what? He unleashes upon the world. It's just it's cool. The other piece I had is. <laughs> A swarm of bees supposedly followed a car for two days to Get try to rescue the queen that was trapped in back. Oh. I don't, I don't know the absolute truth of this. I mean, it's one of those things. This woman is claiming she had a swarm of 20,000 bees drawn to her car um, because she had the, the queen bee was trapped in the back. So it, it it's interesting. I, I look at that, and I, again, I take that thing, and I try to translate it over to something in gaming. What would happen if the players accidentally picked up a thing and the creatures started following them? And you, you have a thing, they don't, you know, you have an egg with you in your pack, you have coins, you have something that you don't realize. Perhaps it's that 4,000 year old pagan god statue that you drew up and you've got people following you trying to rescue this thing you have. It's uh, it's got some cool possibilities. If nothing else, a swarm of bees that, that's just fucking dangerous. So, a buddy of mine just got into bees. Did he? Beehive. Yeah, beehive. Okay, did, beekeeping. Did beekeeping. Yep, yep. And and Steve, even though our our buddy Steve, mm-hmm. his wife is a researcher that deals with bees, not honeybees, wild bees. Okay. Um, interesting though. This this may not surprise folks that are into the beekeeping hobby because. Uh, yeah, man. It's well, listen, queen, you, dude. You read it and you're like, I think that makes sense, or is that astronomically weird? I don't know. It's just kind of cool. It is cool indeed, and the picture is quite, quite <laughs> nerve wracking. Yeah, that's a lot of goddamn bees on your car. That's what that is. That is. Your turn. All right, Star Wars: A New Hope on one screen. I shared it out on Google Plus. Imagine a graphic that you scroll down. That is the entirety of Episode Four. All the way from beginning to end mm. in a graphic form. Check it out. 
I'll have to. Number two, R2-D2 in an X-Wing drone video. Matt Jackson uh, posted this, said it would be the coolest thing you'd see all day, and I have to agree. Nice. Somebody did like a drone animation, and actually seeing how it was made is just as awesome. Link in the show notes. You got to watch it. It's basically, think of a short film using a drone that's in the shape of an X-Wing with R2-D2, with the camera on R2-D2 flying around (laughs) with TIE fighters following them and laser blasts. It's actually very well done. And I can't imagine like how they produce that thing, but uh, check it out. Number three, if you've been living under a rock or you had a long weekend, I think PaizoCon was this past week or weekend, and they announced... Starfinder RPG. Oh, yeah. Coming 2017, which I think is like August 2017. I don't know where that could be, but maybe Gen Con. Oh. Say it isn't so. Neat. So they are going to, they have a article, uh, news release on their website. We'll have a link in the show notes. Essentially what they're doing is taking Pathfinder into a science fiction setting. Uh, but it's going to be Galarian, which is their campaign core setting, mm-hmm. and forwarding it thousands of years. So I think there's going to be like new Absalom. So Absalom so it's is it's almost like, like you took an idea from a guy named Monty Cook and just, yeah. Why? Did Monty do that? He didn't oh, do that but the did whole he? concept of Numenera is like, you know forever in the future from an existing thing and I don't know. No, it just, but it's it sounds, not from an ex, it's not like he, they took Forgotten Realms or a yeah, I don't, Cook I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm drawing a correlation for the sake of argument here. No, interesting though. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you like it, Brad. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Sean, for bringing it to my attention. Yeah, so people that, uh, so it's going to be a good year for science fiction fantasy, I guess. 2017. Well, it's as if there's a weird resurgence of a 70s movie thing you know like this whole star wars thing it's like someone took star wars and and pumped life into it and suddenly everyone wants to cash in on it interesting yeah i don't know i don't know it'll be interesting starfinder buddies and i have talked about this before man that gaming seems to go on these you know fantasy sci-fi back to horror got it's got weird little zeitgeisty things that happen and it's kind of cool but I don't know if there is as many Pathfinder players that are going to appreciate space games, space and science fiction. We'll Otherwise, see. wouldn't they be playing like Traveler or Gamma World or Star Frontiers or Don't know, man. Star Wars. They might I mean, you have people that that may love the Paizo Crunch approach and they may be looking for the Paizo approach. And I don't disagree with that. I'm just wondering if they can get a lot of their base to move over to that game. I don't so, know. We'll see. One one thing I would be interested in is if you're a Pathfinder game and a uh, Pathfinder game, if you're a Pathfinder enthusiast, what do you think about this Starfinder? What does anybody think about Starfinder? It's going to be the talk for the next two years. Yeah. One one year. One year. I can't add. Next year's 2017. <laughs> 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 Anyways. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Yes. What are we talking about next week, Brett? <laughs> next week, I've got a couple different ideas I'm kicking around. I'm thinking about talking uh, about diceless uh, RPGs. 
um, Amber and a couple others that I've read about. Or Sean has been digging into uh, Numenera pretty hard, and I'm wondering if we, the Cypher system specifically, and I'm wondering if we should maybe crack open the Cypher system well, and do a little discussion into that. We should really get somebody on that's an expert. I so know. I don't know if I can round somebody up by then. I know. I'm just saying it's, it's got to come up. Even if we just do a glimpse into what the hell we think and that people start correcting us, like, I don't know, man. So I'm, I am, uh, I'm not quite sure about next week. I'm thinking Diceless for now. We'll see what happens between now and then. Excellent. Uh, so this show, uh, this episode of Gaming and BS was sponsored by GameholeCon, a tabletop gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin this November. Get your ass to GameholeCon and visit GameholeCon.com for more info. Also, this show brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mr. Ecton Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Pladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, the Knights of the Night crew, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Belladeux, and Jason Hobbs Hobbs. Consider becoming a patron of the show at GamingBS.com forward slash Patreon. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.